0: Listeners, thanks for joining me today. My name is Chuck Tuck. I am the host of Open Mic with Chuck Tuck. So today's conversation is going to be about death, the fear of dying. Are you afraid of dying? Have you ever thought about death? What triggers your thought about dying? I have this as an open call, open conversation. I had several people call in from, oh, throughout the country, really. And we had about an hour-long conversation about death. What is it that triggers it, like I said, and our feelings on it? You'll soon find out what each individual thinks about death, Um, how it physically affects us, how it emotionally affects us, does it affect others around us. So please sit back, enjoy, and remember, share the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, Are you afraid of death? Are you afraid of dying? Have you been, have you thought of any of that?
1: You know, it's weird and just super coincidental, Chuck, that this is going on. I just came from, I was playing some poker, long story short, and we got word that somebody in our community just got killed, uh, hit right up the street from us riding a bicycle. Um, and, you know, it just puts a, it just puts a weird frame of mind on you when you think about it, because I think, I'm not necessarily afraid of it, but then when it hits kind of close to home, Mm -hmm. boy, it really can, it can change your, your vector angle on it. Right. I mean, um, it can happen. Life's so fragile, right? So it's, it can happen to anybody. So I'm not necessarily afraid of it, but certainly when it pops up in front of you, um, you it, it certainly gives you a moment of pause, at least for people like me that I, I don't necessarily fear it. I have a, I have a faith based uh, scenario. So, you mm-hmm. know, the world it is right now, excuse my French, kind of a shitty place. Sometimes you like to think that there's uh, something better afterwards. I do anyway. So um, yeah. that's kind of a long winded way of, of saying that Chuck, I don't really fear it, but certainly uh, getting a, a point of reference thrown right in front of you. It does make you pause.
0: It made me pause today. Debbie, would that, make you fear death? If there's something like that, that happened uh, immediately outside of your window, would it cause for you to think about your own mortality and starting to fear death or still not really?
2: Um, you don't, you need to I did. Sorry, my, da- my daughter muted unmuted me for a minute. Um, <laughs> yeah, I see what Dean's saying. Hi, Dean. I think that too, like you were saying about having a faith-based that does help a lot because then you know that you're hoping that there is a better place afterward that we are all going to. So that yeah. makes it a little bit easier.
1: Yeah. And a lot of people don't have that though. And um Chuck, I don't know where you're at on it, but I've always, I've actually actually asked some of my friends that were atheist or agnostic or something like that. How do they deal with thinking about that when they have something And uh, it's, it certainly is an interesting path. I I, I don't think I can super relate to the there's nothing after we go. I, I just that's a little bit tough for me to chew on, you know.
0: Yeah. Hi, Dan. Thanks for joining. Um, We're just right now talking about, of course, the death thing we're on kind of, uh, if something were to happen outside your window, somebody would be uh, killed would that affect your feeling towards your own mortality and death? But going with what Dean was saying just now, as far as uh, the religion and things like that, one of the things that I heard too, though, some folks who are uh, really religious have a difficult time. They fear death because they may feel like they haven't lived up to what they're supposed to live up to. So um, their afterlife of having going to heaven may not happen. So they fear it. Uh, does any of that come into play for for anybody here that has a a heavy religious background or
1: yeah the bar i think you know i I don't want to speak for everybody but you know there's a pretty the bar is pretty high as far as what the expectation is but at least on the christian side um there's not much you could do here that won't be forgiven in fact there's nothing so if if the person's a, a very grounded person um in their religious standing and i I'm certainly not as grounded as I need to be, for sure. Um, I think that, that there's probably less of that, Chuck. But, you know, as you approach, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, my father-in-law is 92, and we talk about this fairly frequently. And he says, I don't fear death. I've had a good life. But he says, you know, when the moment comes and I know that I'm going to go, he says, I'm not, I'm not sure how I'm going to react, even though I'm a Christian. He says, I'm not going to know until the moment. And I think that's that was pretty real.
0: That yeah, especially for somebody that's at that age uh, to still, I think, be unsure. Yeah, yeah. Dan, um, do you fear do you fear death? Do you fear dying?
3: Mm-hmm. At times, and at times I don't. Um, but I, I've experienced a lot of death in the last four years, so I've I've uh, I've been with people as they're dying. I've I've been with people that oh i don't want to die and i'm not afraid of death and have them die so i i i've seen it all and it generally comes down to the very end and for everybody that said i don't I'm, I'm not afraid of it they would do just about anything they could for one more breath mm. that that, that it, it really you know i've uh, three people that I've, I've watched die and how they they they've, they've want to hold
0: on yeah but for your own mortality um it didn't really affect you one way or the other so you kind of waver sometimes you do fear death and sometimes you don't just just on the uh i, I hate saying yeah, this just I, on your feeling for that it, day you know
3: there, there's there's always times where you're going god this is <laughs> it's so screwed up here that you know bring it, bring on, bring on Armageddon, end it all, you know, the way things are going. And then you kind of go, no, no,
0: that's stupid. Yeah. Um, I I just want to say that for Debbie, Dean, Dan, uh, please feel free to jump in and ask each other questions to keep the conversation going. Yeah. So, well, I'll tell you, I, I guess the only
1: fear that I would have is, and this is just my military OCD background is when I go, what, what am I leaving undone on the ground for my people around me? So me going, yeah, I've seen, I've seen kind of what that looks like and not, I'm not jumping right into it, but I've been in some situations where it was, that was very possible, but then the thought goes through my mind. Okay. It's like when you leave the house on vacation, do i leave the stove on in a bigger, a much bigger scope. Of course, what am I leaving for my people? If I had, if I died, and that one probably causes me more, than my personal mortality, that probably causes me more angst when I think about it.
0: Yeah, Debbie and I kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, It's like feeling of leaving something undone, uh, whether it's family, friends, or or just, we didn't really say anything about accomplishments, but I'm kind of along your lines, Dean, where its it would be sad to go and not take care of family for me on my end. Uh, yeah. you know if you have an uh, older parent or something like that and they depend on you or you and your siblings help out and then if one of us was to go like if i was to go i would feel i would feel bad but i'd be dead but it, i think i uh, hopefully you know what i'm getting at because it's similar yeah. to i think what you're saying it's uh they're my crew and i need to be there to help out yeah i i, I want to be the last one gone because i want to make sure everything's okay or i'll go when everything's okay Right.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you their OCD buddy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And all the
1: yeah. I's have to be dotted and the T's crossed. Well, you know, they're, the old saying when they an old joke, they say, you know, they ask dying people, what are your biggest regrets so when you're on your deathbed? And most of them say, it's not the things that I did. It's the things that I didn't do. So, you know, and that's what a lot of people, see, you know, the live life every day, like it's your last kind of thing. Um, yeah because you don't want to get to that point and go god i wish i had you know surfed or i wish i had gone to bali or what you know to put the death thing in there you don't want to leave a bunch on the table right. and i fear i fear i don't i don't live my life to the fullest so i definitely have, would have some regrets of stuff i didn't do if i had to face it dan you were going
0: to say something
1: no i was just agreeing with dean that,
3: that it's the undone things that the things that well, I'll do it next week, I'll do it next week, and then it's like, wait, oh you know, that that would be the biggest problem. You know, the undone. Yeah. Would be the, the hardest part.
1: So how have you guys, let me ask you this, uh Chuck, I'll just take the wheel for a second. How yeah. are you guys on on parents and parents dying? And I don't wanna bring up any any bad things, but uh both of my parents are alive, um both of them are quite ill. Um and that I'm gonna I'm gonna have to cross that bridge here pretty soon. I I haven't dealt with that in my close immediate family, um, so I, that's something that's going to be on my plate pretty soon. Has any, any of you guys had to deal with a, a parent or a very very close family member that you've had to be involved with towards the end recently? And how'd you handle yeah. it? Yeah, that's what I was
3: saying. With the last four years, um, four years ago I lost my dad. Uh, six months later I lost my mom. Nine months later, I lost my brother.
2: Wow.
1: That's tough, man.
2: Yeah, sorry about that.
1: Were these uh, illness-related things, Dan? Again, I'm not trying to... uh, Uh,
3: My father died taking care of my mother that he was dedicated to and my mom um, was coming down with Alzheimer's. And luckily, I mean, but he he died the way he wanted to. He always said he wanted to go quick. And he did. He, He... we got a call, and they found him on the floor in the bedroom. And then my mom uh, passed six months later. She was being taken care of at a hospice. Uh, she ended up with the same type, uh, the, the same form that Robin Williams had. The uh, Louis bodies, right? And, and it kills
1: quick. That's tough. Uh, it's, not, yep.
3: it's not, you know, it's not a long-term Alzheimer's. It does kill quick, and she she only lasted six months, which is a blessing for her because. She was a very intelligent person and lost her mind basically, and that was that was the worst thing that could happen to her.
1: Yeah, sorry, buddy, that's tough.
3: Yeah. And, and then my brother was in a wheelchair his whole life and had a wheelchair accident and ended up striking his head and passing um, from that from the injuries.
0: And and his was a
3: drawn out. It took him about uh, seven days before he passed, and he was he was conscious. It was just progressively getting worse that that he couldn't his body couldn't expel um, CO2. And so he, he basically, he, he, you know, internally suffocated, I guess. But anyway, but it, it's, it's, you know, and, and, and with him, it was he being handicapped. His, he had actually questioned all of our family. He goes, you know, if mom and dad pass and I can't continue on, I you know, I'm, I'm facing being, taking care of the rest of my life in a in a uh, facility i don't want that and so he you know asked you know he he kind of well would you help me if i wanted to commit suicide and and you know all of us said no and and you know that that that's not something even to think about and you know shortly after mom dies he gets in it was truly an accident. It wasn't planned. It was just myth that um, he was racing to a, a catch up the trolley or the, yeah, the trolley down at uh, uh, Westlake and jumped a curb and flipped his wheelchair and ended up passing from that. But it, he he kind of went out on his own terms. But he was still conscious and he he was able to make the decision that he didn't want. You know, he was definitely a, deep, a do not resuscitate. And don't go to extremes to keep him alive. And that's what would have happened is they would have had to, he would have had to been on a ventilator the rest of his life.
1: Yeah. Heroic measures for probably not a lot of quality of life. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. And so he said no. And so and he, and he ultimately, you know, quietly passed from it. But it, it and he was one of those that, that you know, okay, you know, he was ready to die. He didn't want to die. And towards the end, and then he said he wanted to enjoy life as best he could with what he had left, and and then and then it was he, he didn't want to die towards the end, and but then he knew he was going to. So it, it, I you know going through the whole emotional gambit with him.
0: Wow. So um then let me ask the three of you then, with the the DNR, the do not resuscitate, uh, when it comes to the time when we're getting older and we have the decision to make uh, filling out that form to post on our refrigerator. Would you want to have a, the do not resuscitate or do you want to be resuscitated? Uh, Any one of you?
1: Well, you know, I, we just went through this with my father-in-law, Again, long story short last summer and he's in his nineties. He had a, some kind of a viral illness and he was on his deathbed. We said, well, let's pull up his, all of his wishes. And he had, he's a pretty organized guy. We pulled them up. And we were reading to him his DNR and he was like, oh, that's not that particular area of the DNR because it can be very detailed on what is, what is heroic measures. That's a subjective thing. So he was like, oh no, I don't want this, this, and this, but I definitely want them to lay the paddles on me and try and get me back in. I don't want a feeding tube. So it was a lot of, there was a devil in the details on that. It was uh, kind of strange. Um it, it wasn't really a is. Size, not a one size fits all DNR, right, Dan? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. No, it it really it, and it's something that you know they they can have classes on just DNRs.
1: Oh right, yeah.
3: yeah. Just because it is so confusing too, and the paperwork is really confusing. Yeah. yeah. And how about, how even the doctors get
1: it wrong. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They go to read it. And it, that's what happened here. We had a caregiver come in there and go, I don't think the doctor knows that this is because that's not what you told him. Well, let's get everybody in the room. And we, we changed it. So that's how it goes. How about you, Chuck? Where are
0: you on? Uh, real quick, George, we're just, uh, you know, figuring out about death and now we're on the DNR the do not resuscitate that kind of stuff. Um, as far as me, Dean, it's, you know, I've been going back and forth because i uh, you know I watched my father go through the DNR then no I want to be resuscitated then no I don't want to be the back and forth and his death was prolonged and I, I, I was a caregiver for him so it was a it was a hard thing to see him go through but um, I could my mine would have to be this written out do not resuscitate if however you know, one of those yeah. type of things.
1: Subsection, subsection, point, 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 point. Yep. Yeah. It, Got it.
3: They do have that, and they, yes. they are extensive on the sub levels that you can get into.
1: Yeah, I I think, I think the risk you run there is if your caregivers kind of go, well, this is going to take about forty five minutes for us to do a quorum on this. I mean, you don't. That's kind of the last thing you want is to have them spend. You know, it should be if, as much as possible, and and it's not easy. Uh, To get it to where the care team can make heads or tails of it.
0: If I've broken my back or broken my neck and I'm 90, I'd say uh, that's what happened and I'm unconscious. Yeah, don't bring me back because my my quality of life, chances are likely it's not going to be that great. Right. Right.
1: Well, you know what complicates it too. And Dan, you could probably speak to this is okay, here's the DNR and then in comes the family member and the family member may not be in full agreement, which then puts the care team in a, in a conundrum. Um,
3: Yeah. If they, if there's a DNR, it's back to how, how it's, it's um, presented. Right. Um, You know, if, if somebody has a DNR and, and they're unconscious and, and, but if they're conscious enough to say, you know, implement the DNR, that was my brother. He said, you know, he, he told the nurse, he goes, you know, I have a DNR. And she freaked out. And because she, and, and they actually, that um, as he was being treated, they, he uh, was seizing because of the, the head injury and they overdosed him. And we watched his blood pressure drop off the chart. And his eyes roll back, and he basically passed. Um, and they, they, you know, they, they over and above because they know they killed him <laughs> by the overdose. They freaked out and and brought him back. Wow. Um, because they didn't want to be responsible for his death by the overdose.
1: What a what a crazy, complicating. Oh God, sorry. Yeah, guys,
3: yeah. yeah, That's So. But but he he made clear to them that he wanted the DNR and and after that we made sure it was you know in his chart even though they they written it on the wall and you know and everything that we had to have and we actually had to have him sign uh, or best he could um, a, a new one to make sure that they knew exactly what he wanted while he was in the hospital.
0: Uh, wow, that's yeah for, that. A lot of this is a whole new subject and topic. One of them I coming up is about our aging parents, but, you know, these HEPA laws and, and like you said, Dean, family members coming in and intervening and things like that. Uh, he said, she said almost situation. No, you know, mom said that she didn't want it. No, mom told me that she wanted to be revived. No, that's not what she told me. Well, that's what's on the paper, you know, on the fridge. That kind right. of stuff.
1: And if the, if the fridge.
0: Be- on the fridge
1: is not clear enough if it's very vague and ambiguous then in comes the the problems that that's what one thing we learned was to have a a qualified caregiver counselor advise you on how to word it so that you don't run into those kind of things
0: yeah and let
1: me ask
3: legal document too i mean it can't just be this is my last will and test you know this is what i want and you know it's best to go through and have it be a complete real legal document
0: yes yes
2: I'm um, just listening, i I went to this my mom. she was dying about ten years, but she wanted to be resuscitated, no matter what, and it was very hard because her quality of life was so bad, and we all had to take care of her. it, it I hate to say this, but it 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 kind of gets to be a burden um, toward the end, especially. but she died um pretty four years ago. so, and before that, I had to take care of my grandma, who I was very, very close to. And that was probably a little harder than my mom because I was closer to my grandma than I was my mom. So, but I'm, I don't have any more, anybody else to take care of. And I only have one daughter who's obviously way younger than me. So I won't have to probably deal with that again, uh, thankfully.
0: So. <laughs> She's going to have to take care of you.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh that's right better. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Let me ask you guys this. Is there anything that would cause you to say, uh, yes, I, I I want to be let go, I want to be euthanized, I I um take me out, whatever you however you want to put it, if there's something in the quality of your life that has diminished, whether it be okay, I oh, I'm blind. Well, I can't see anything and I like to see stuff. So nope, no, no, Matt, I don't want to live now. Or, you know, I can't talk or, I, or I I've, I've lost an arm. Is there anything? Well, you know, and this'll, you, you'll
1: be able to get a little bit on this one, Chuck, because you remember Chris Bice, our buddy from high school. Oh, for those that weren't around there, we had a, one of our best buddies in high school. Soon as we graduated high school, he came down with uh, terminal uh, leukemia. Um and he told us, me and my buddy, Gary, um, as he was going through some of the treatments, he says, I've asked my doctor kind of off the books, so to speak, to give me something that I can take when I can't take it anymore. Cause the doctor said, you're going to get to a point where you can't take it anymore. He said that he had a good doctor that told him that. And then he ended up taking his own life. Um, and he, he would tell me and Gary, some of the pain and some of the things that he was going through. And I tell you what, I, I as much as, and this is a, creates a real conflict for people of faith. Um, basically we're told you're not going to face anything that you can't handle. Well, Oh boy, that's a tester. I mean, I've seen people go, that are strong in faith and they're just like, Oh my God, put me down. So I don't know, Chuck. I, I think that there's from the the human condition uh, is going to, I can see myself at a point where, I can't take that anymore. And like George said, I'm, I can take, I can take a few things been there, done that, but I think there's probably got to be something out there. What I would, when I would fly the white flag, I, there's there has to be, I have just seen it and I, I don't know. I'm not yeah. that tough. <laughs>
0: um, I know these are, there's not that pleasant of a question to answer. So please don't feel like you have to, but Dan, is there anything that um, would cause you just to say, you know, like Dean was saying, wave the white flag, or
3: well, watching my family go through this. I'm. Mean, I, I was with my grandfather just before he passed, hours before he passed, and, and he had uh, oral cancer. And watching him go fight, he didn't fight. He 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 was one of those. Oh, it's not going to kill me. And then, oh, I'm, I'm I'm not afraid of death. And then, sitting with him the last, oh, probably a few hours of his life, going through the, the uh, morphine high of, and then the lows where he'd be bawling because he didn't want to die. And then, oh, I don't care. Um, that, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the, there's gotta be a point where being exposed to that, I, I don't think my grandfather ever witnessed anything like that. And then going through with my brother and and with my mother, you know, it, there are, yeah, there, there are times where I could see and, but, and that's also part of the DNR or part of the your living will. Um, uh, hospice is a great, and wonderful thing. Yeah. And hospice actually will help you, even though it, you can't, in out with hospice, they will actually help you move on by le- leveling up on morphine. To the point where where your body will not function right. and, and that's what we went through with my mom is is that that she was in constant pain and 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 they the the legally they were able to help her get to the point where she just stopped breathing mm-hmm.
0: debbie and, oh sorry go ahead dan no, but, oh no no
3: and, and and we all knew it was coming and you know it, it was just
0: yeah, that's, that's, that's a tough thing to see and to go through with, uh, close friends and family members, um, a prolonged, um, mm-hmm. painful thing like that.
3: Well, and, and with me, you know, I, 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 don't mean to sound flippant, but it was a blessing having her go so short six months or from the time she was diagnosed in August, um, so July
0: less than twelve months. Well, uh, I think that's kind of like what Debbie was saying. Where, it, it, you know, it was sad for her to say, uh, but it can come to the point where it becomes a burden on other other family members. If especially if if they are dependent on you to take care of them for one reason or another, if they don't want to be in the hospital or if there's not enough insurance to cover the hospital things, because these things cost a fortune, you know? And then just to share my little experience then is very similar to, I think to all of you just seeing a parent, you know, like I said, I was a caregiver for my dad pretty much full time towards the last few months and with the morphine, having to give him that, but just, just that my, my fear is that, that, that dead dare and you're going, I think the brain is still working, but they can't communicate. They can't do anything. They can't move. I, I don't know how any of you are, but I I do not like being confined. And if I can't move, like throw a blanket over me and smother me. I, it's like, I don't want to be in that position. And that's how I think I would feel if I was in that position where my brain is working, but my body's not, and I cannot say or do anything. My white flag, somehow, I want to, I give in.
3: Right. That was the way my brother was. My brother was a quadriplegic his whole life. He was, yeah. uh, you know, in, in a wheelchair his whole life. And it got to the point where it was going to be that, that, the freedom that he had being in the wheelchair, and he actually was living alone, and he had to have a chore work come in. He, that was going to go away. He wouldn't be able to live alone. He wouldn't be able to, to, you know, have Simmy take care of himself. Yeah. And that was too, much. too that was, much.
0: That was it. For me personally, I, I could say that having a, a father who was in the Marines and the Air Force, went through Vietnam, went through Korean War, and he's, you know, he wasn't a big, tall guy, but he still had this stature. And then you see this dignity just taken away. It... It almost yeah. chokes me up right now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, one, one thing, and, I, and Chuck, I'm going to have to buzz off here in a minute, sure. but um, one thing I, I want to leave everybody with is I think that one of the very best things I learned from some of the training that I had to go through in the military was on the basic uh, fundamental understanding that we're all going to die. Okay. There's no escaping that. There's no fountain of youth where everybody's going to do it it's a life skill to be able to prepare your family or to prepare others that you're around to on how to deal with that effectively without becoming completely incapacitated. And it's not an easy thing to do, but I, I tried to teach my kids. I taught a lot of guys in the military then because we were in situations where that could come up to try and, come to terms with sometimes death is going to happen to all of us and you can either keep your head up and try and stay focused in the moment to try and make the best of the situation or as we've probably all seen everybody everybody falls apart which serves no one so it it's a life skill to be able to prepare yourself and people around you for, for death in their life, because we're all going to experience it. It's going to be around us. There's no escaping it. So if you can prepare a little bit for it, it really can make things a lot better for something that's inevitable for, for all of us. So, and Chuck, I'm so sorry. I've got to buzz out my friend. Um, hey, peace and love Hello. to all guys. Please, um, can I say l- something just real quick before
3: you take sure. off? Yeah. So, you know, Chuck mentioned he was worried about, you know, that he doesn't have family, and, and he brought up that people, you know, the, a a legacy or carrying on his thoughts. But I wanted to ha- I wanted to point out what you said about Chris. Chris is still living in you, and that's the way it is. I mean, I tell stories of Chuck Puck to my kids. <laughs> I mean, you know, the the the, the you're, you part of you will live on in me forever, Charles. And and you know, that's just like what what George was saying, that that you're you're you will continue on these these people's stories. You guys are right. And you're carrying on Chris's and you're carrying on on, you know, just with stories but also just in, in in being their friend.
0: You're right. Absolutely right. Um, Dean, thank you very much. And what you said in your closing before you jumped off was awesome.
1: Yeah, no, no. And and like uh, my, one of my favorite characters, Mr. Spock live long and prosper to all you people. Okay. Love you guys. (laughs) Chuck, I'll I'll talk to you again soon. We'll do it again. Okay, my friend. Absolutely. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: So this has been really good so far with uh with the few of us that have been on here. I really appreciate you know your conversations and openness and stuff like that. And we could absolutely keep going right now. Um and Dan, you're 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 right. I I guess I did not really I didn't think about it that way because I do think about my friends who have passed, you know. Definitely two of them are always in my mind, and that's Chris and my and Norm, you know, always there. So, and we're not blood. So you're absolutely right. And I, and I, I remember your brother Dan. Absolutely remember. So,
3: so when you say Norm, are you talking uh, Norm Booth?
0: Yes, I am.
3: Oh man, I love that guy. Yep, uh, one of the sweetest smiles. Both. One of the
0: best human beings out there. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah he was awesome.
0: So it's, um, you know, death is a hard topic I think to open up about and I, I'm certainly glad that all of us were able to share you know how we feel about it and the experiences that we've had but there definitely seems to be a common a common thing about it is we fear it one day but we don't fear it the next day it's just like who, who knows um,
3: hard... like, Dave, like Dave pointed out that the, we're all coming of that age we're you know that that i happened to go through it earlier but i've got a lot of friends that are dealing with parents that are failing and, and having you know that that they're on their they're towards the end of their lives yeah and that's that you know it, it's and it's just our age it's just our, our our generation right now this is our responsibility is to to take care as best we can with you know people passing around us and, and we're starting to, I mean, look at the, the numbers in our, our class. I was shocked to hear how many had passed.
0: Oh yeah. But in
3: reality, if you look at you know, what is it? Uh, 2% of our, our class, or less than 2% has passed. It, you know, that's probably pretty normal,
0: mm-hmm. but, but, you know,
3: you, you think about it, no, I'm, I'm not that old. But They are, we're starting, we're starting to get there.
0: Well, let me ask, Debbie, how old are you going to live to be? What age? Have you ever told yourself that you're going to live to be a certain age?
2: Well, I used to think I would live till 90 or 95, but I actually had um, uh, cancer. So I am recovered, but the chance of me getting the cancer again are pretty high. So I'm, I'm thinking I probably won't live as long as I thought I would. And I definitely, all the stuff I went through with my cancer treatments and everything, I probably would not go through that again. So I would be not doing anything. So if I, if it does come back, I will just be taking the pain medications and going out that way.
0: Hey, Dan, same thing for you. Um, Has there ever been a a target age or dream age or anything like that?
3: I I don't think. I, I, I don't think there's been a target age. I mean, like I said, I don't consider myself that old. I mean, but I'm finding out I am. I'm getting old. Um, no, I, I. but I have a lot of friends that did. Yeah. I've got a lot of friends that claim that, claimed that, that I, I wasn't gonna make it to 55. I wasn't gonna make it to 50. I wasn't gonna, um, you know, that, that because parents or somebody else that they knew passed. And, they swore they weren't going to make it past a certain age. And, you know, uh, I have a lot of family members that said that I wasn't going to make it past a particular age because they were going to kill me, but, you know, that's
0: the <laughs> Yeah, but there's probably a lot of people out there that can say that about each one of us, right? <laughs> going to get rid of that guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and George, don't laugh because I'm going to answer. I've always... And I'm, when I say always, I'm talking from 12, 13, said, I'm going to go to 121 or 122. Yep. Even, even in my bad old shape and condition I am, I say, yep, I'm going to 121 or 122. (laughs) Yeah. I keep telling myself that, right?
2: The only sad thing about living so long is everybody, you know, is going to be gone. You know, if you, if you live that long, like past 95 or a hundred, you, there's not many people you're going to have left.
0: So I probably, I'm one of those that would not have as a a difficult time. I think being thrown on an island with nobody or, you know, literally just by myself, I would just have to, it's not to say that I don't get lonely because you do, but I, I like to. Um, I'm, I'm certainly glad that I've had the friends that I've had and the memories that my friends have, you know, allowed me to have that's, that's being shared right now too, the memories that we I'm, I'm getting right now, just our conversation. So I will live on in a dream, kind of like the matrix maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me ask you something. Um,
3: I come from a large family. I'm the youngest of seven. And I always thought that it would be ideal for me to be the first one to go out. Mm -hmm. Do you think that is selfish of me?
0: Mm, I personally, I don't think that's selfish of you. Um, No, I don't. The shorter answer, no. Uh, Dan, do you think that's selfish of uh, George?
3: I don't think it's selfish. You know, I, like, like my, my dad said, he just wanted to go fast. And didn't, You know, that, that that was his thing. He didn't want to linger. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah. But in reality, you probably won't be. <laughs> like that's <laughs> the sad part is, is you, you feel you want to be the, the, the last or the first to go. You probably won't. You'll, you'll probably be the one to end up Taking care of everybody until the end—that's that's that's the tough part, and you have to prepare yourself for it too. What the fuck? Why him and not me? Of all the things that I've done to myself over the course of my life, why him, not me?
0: Uh, Debbie, do you ever think about anything like that? If you've had a, a close friend who's, you know, just been just a clean and pure—or we'll just use that word, clean and pure a uh, person, but they've gotten a, an illness. Uh, Maybe they did survive, but if they had an illness and they, they passed.
2: uh... Oh yeah, absolutely. Like what I was telling you before everybody else got on that my um, stepdaughter just recently died at 24 years old. And yeah, it's like, she just graduated from college six months before that and just got her first job. And you do kind of think like they take away somebody so young that Hasn't even really started their life yet, and then why am I still here? And I survived my cancer and all the other stuff I've gone through in my life. It is, it is kind of sad and unfair. Not that I want to want to die either, but it, it is very sad, you know. Yeah. And then a few months before that, um, one of the girls I worked with, who was also 25 years old, she died the same way in a car accident. So it's just, it is funny how people that you don't think should be dying are the ones that are dying before you are
0: is that fate that we survive or is that their fate that
2: I, I honestly think it is their fate i think that everyone has a expiration date and i think god already knows when it is and it was their time to go and that's how i look at it there is a reason for it
0: uh, that that's I think that's a good way to think about it. I think kind of Dean alluded to the fact where we have to accept these things, you know, uh, whether it's a immediate family member, close friend or somebody else, but death is part of the cycle. Uh, It happens to everybody. We're not going to escape it. So uh, I, I do agree with him. I think one of the worst things is if a family member passes or a close friend or something, and then it puts you into the depression, and then you don't take care of yourself. I think that's, that's that's a tragedy right there. And it might sound or be cliche to say that, you know, that person that passed and you would say, you know, Jack would not have wanted you to be like this. Jack would want you to live. I and mean, that's a cliche, but that, that's that's really true.
2: I think yeah, it's uh, totally true. Yeah, definitely.
0: The podcast was nearing its end, but we had one last guest join us from Minnesota and his name is Tim. So we had to ask him the same question that this entire podcast is about. Are you afraid of death or dying? Do you fear death? I mean, we've already, we've gone through that and we've talked about it.
4: Yeah, and feel free to ask me anything. Um, I'm in a good place today. I do fear death. And um, the biggest reason is the question mark. Don't really know what's on the other side. And I've given this a ton of thought, you know, after I lost my son five years ago. I mean, I've dealt with death before that, but that was when I, I got um, almost, um, you know, just really bogged down in the, is there heaven? <clears throat> and I will try to succinctly tell you a story of what happened. Um, I was at home. I was angry. I was praying, saying, I need a sign. If there's a heaven, let me know, you know, I was thinking things like, why doesn't God just appear up in the sky, you know, and do a little broadcast every week or something and say, I'm real. So I decided a couple things. One, I think whatever, I do think we were created and the universe was created by something, but I don't think it's like a God who comes down and answers questions and prayers. I could be wrong, but I don't know. I believe in Jesus. He was this documentation, but I while I was asking for these signs, uh, a couple things happened. One morning, um, I was going to work and my garage door opened up and I'm a backer in her, right? So there's this white bird flying around. And I'm like a pretty in, unusual in Minnesota. If it was, you know, if it was uh Seattle, I'd be like, yeah, it's a <laughs> But I was like, no, and I wasn't ready for it. I'm like, there's no way. And it was cold out, right? And I'm like, what would, there's no way that was a dove. That was some other freak white bird. Then on the way home, uh, it was, I don't know if it was that night or a few nights later, my son had a very unusual hearst uh, at his funeral. It was like blue with a white Landau top. I'd never seen anything like it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was kind of funky, so I'm driving home, and I'm in the fog, and it's nighttime. I used to work these 15-hour shifts, you know, just three days a week, and I'm coming down this hill out of the fog, and I see a hearse just like that go by me on a two-lane highway out in a county, and I'm like, no, that can be, I called my dad, and he's like, well, maybe it's not like God put that hearse there, and it wasn't real, but maybe things align. Some guy bought a hearse out in North Dakota or something and was driving it back to Wisconsin or something. And um, then, so I kept praying. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need like a sign. Well, one day I woke up and um, there was a thing on my phone. And, it, you know, I didn't say Google Now or anything like that. But it was a thing about heaven. And it was the writing and it was just answering if there's a, it was very long So then one day I just type into my computer, is there a heaven? And the first thing I clicked on in the, like the second line, I should find it somewhere someday, but they quoted Freud. Now I was in my master's program, you know, for MFT at the time. And one of my favorite quotes of Freud that I've been saying for like two months to everybody is, Freud says all we need in life is love and work. And that quote was in there. And I'm like, coincidence, maybe, but I there's a big part of me. It's like those were signs. Those were big signs. So, but I still don't know. So I'm afraid to die. I don't want it to be. Um, who knows? We're energy. Can we be destroyed? Hey I don't know.
0: Tim, why, why don't you tell everybody? Uh, you don't have to give your your employment, where you're at, but your background of what you do. Oh,
4: I am a well-renowned philander uh, bum <laughs> back when we used to hang out. So um, <laughs> now what I do now is, uh, and for the last um, 10 years, I've been in the mental health field. And um, so I am a uh, individual couples and family therapist. I have my degree is in marriage and family therapy. I don't like that because everybody's not married. It should be couples and family therapy, right? Um, But it's MFT, and that's, you know, that's the actual. So I work with everything. I work with kids. I work with couples. I work with systemically with families. I work with a lot of trauma. And sometimes I just work with conflict and behavioral stuff. I do actually work with grief. Not that often, but.
0: That's why I always wanted you to bring up uh, kind of what you do, because you probably, experience a lot of people or around a lot of people who are in who are grieving if you're if because I've I've heard oftentimes before that a a divorce uh, some people have gone through divorce sometimes it's like a um, it's a death yeah uh, but um, yeah you know if there's no
4: kids there's definitely a finality to it you know it's over so
0: we kind of also touched upon uh, is, is it selfish to be Or want to be the first one to go. Uh, Dan, he's had some, you know, some definite tragedy that's happened in a short period of time with his parents and his brother and um, it's, we've, I think all, all of us individually have experienced something but the, the three of us that are left on here, we were kind of uh, on a, I don't want to say wishy-washy, but I'm just going to say wishy-washy. We really weren't sure, are we afraid of dying or are we not afraid of dying? And we've kind of, I, I, I'm, I don't want to be speaking for everybody, so please jump in if I'm wrong on this, but I think we've, we say that sometimes we are afraid of dying, but then other days we're not afraid of dying. And I don't know, honestly, for me, what triggers my fear. Um, and I didn't really ask you guys that. Dan, is there something that triggers the thought of you um, fearing death?
3: Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you have to also ask yourself, you know, I think every day we, we deal with that. We, we, we drive on the right side of the road. We drive speed, speed limit or, you know, we don't do crazy things. We don't eat food that's six months old. We, we, we always are taking care of ourselves. Protecting ourselves against death, subconsciously, consciously, however it is, um, we we you know we don't we don't go out of our way at times, and yeah. you know and then there are days that, that you might want to go a little faster than you're supposed to, you know you might get a little pissed off and you might do some things you probably shouldn't or you drink a little more than you're supposed to, but you know it, it it's I think we all have that I think we all have that, but there's also that innate ability inside or that the your
0: basic instinct is to stay alive and, 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 and not go. Um, Debbie, is there a, a trigger for you that might cause you to think about immortality? I mean, being in the dental field, it might, be, it might sound funny for me to say, so being in the dental field, is there anything that you come across to see or hear about that causes you to think about more immortality? And the only reason I say it might sound funny is because I know that your teeth, your mouth, have a lot to do with your health a lot is is, that's true right debbie
2: oh yeah it's absolutely true people with extreme perio disease i there's a lot of people that come into our office not not a lot but quite a few that have that just don't get their teeth cleaned and their perio so bad and they have other health issues and they don't realize that this actually could kill you You know, this bacteria gets into your bloodstream. It'll go right up to your brain. It will kill you if you, you know, don't take care of your teeth. But I don't think people really realize that that can happen. They just think, oh, it's just my tooth. I'll just pull it out. But it it doesn't quite work that way.
0: So who would have ever thought that oral hygiene could be the death of you? Anyhow, that's it for this podcast on death and fearing death, if there is a fear of death. I hope you enjoyed it. The conversation was fantastic. It really made me grow and understand what other people think about when it comes to death. And that is, it can change from day to day. But at least today, this is how each one of us felt. I hope you enjoyed it. Please join me again for the next topic. It will be changing every week I'm going to be doing something like this for the next 10 weeks uh, This is in addition to my normal podcast So again, this is Chuck Tuck with Open Mic with Chuck Tuck Thank you very much for all your support For listening, for sharing, for caring And for leaving comments and rating the podcast Be generous, give me a 5 star Your Your ratings and your comments definitely help And I need more So I'm going to ask you to please rate it comment everything and anything and share the podcast with all of your friends colleagues people you don't know uh, you can listen to it on so many different podcast channels so if chances are likely it's on your favorite podcast channel and station again this is chuck tuck with open mic with chuck tuck thank you and until next time have a great day